I think the feeling stuck ties back to the first part. A lot of times the stuck is connected to whatever that fear is mm -hmm. that right. kind of creeps into real estate investing. So I say face your fears and, and talk it out. Whatever it is that you think that is, is, is going to be a problem or I don't have the money or I don't have the support or whatever, talk that thing out. What's the worst case scenario? Because once you talk through that, whatever that is, you'll realize, oh, it's, it's not that bad. The Without Fear of Her Future podcast is for women who are passionately pursuing financial freedom, using multiple streams of income and real estate to accomplish their goals. We're here to empower you to be brave, dream big, and design a life that you love that inspires others to do the same. I'm Teresa Todd, founder of the Women's Real Estate Investors Network and author of the book, Without Fear of Her Future. And I'm Melissa Baker, your other co-host. I'm a real estate investor and fitness coach specializing in turning properties from drab to fab. And I'm here to motivate and inspire you to build your dream life because girl, you deserve it. Today, we have a very special guest joining us. Brenda Stroud is a seasoned investor in real estate, renowned for her diverse portfolio and hands-on approach to property management. Brenda is known for personally managing all of her properties and demonstrating a keen understanding of the unique needs of each local market she invests in. Over the years, she's faced challenges head on with an eye for identifying pro uh, promising investments and found out how to recognize when to walk away from them. Brenda's journey is a testament to the power of resilience, strategic thinking, and local insight in real estate investing. Please join me in welcoming Brenda Stroud to the show. Hi, Brenda. Thank you for having me. We're so excited to have you. Welcome, welcome, Brenda. Can you just begin? I know this is your second appearance on here. Welcome back. We're so yes. glad to have you. Um, but for our listeners who haven't heard from you in the past, could you just begin by briefly um, telling us about yourself and your journey into real estate investing? Okay. Uh, again, my name is Brenda Stroud. I'm actually from the Washington, D.C. area. I um, invest with my son, my 37-year-old son. And I got, um, we decided to get seriously involved in real estate investing after I went through Without Fear of the Future Masterclass in December of 2020. Um, after, and then we started, then I started the mentorship um, January 2021. Um, prior to joining, um, going through the Without Fear of the Future, my son and I had dabbled a little bit in real estate. We owned investment properties one or two at a time here and there over the years. I bought my first property around 22 or 23. I had my son buy his first, first property at 19. Um, now, once I went through Without Favorite Future and I learned some specialized knowledge, I was able to apply that to the one property we had already purchased in Tuskegee. And since um, going through the, uh, joining the mentorship, we've since purchased 14 um, other properties after that. Um, so now we currently have purchased since going through Ring 15 properties. Um, one I, um, most recently, my nephew, who's in another area, um, he actually, I had him go through without fear of a future class, master <laughs> class, and bought a, we, we did a joint venture on a project in um, uh, Greensboro, North Carolina, also a college town. So he's doing the same thing. First of all, just congrats. That is huge. That is a lot of success. And I can't wait for the our listeners to really hear what you're doing and how you're doing it. But first of all, just Brenda, you are truly a rock star and so proud of all your success. Thank you. Thank you. 
I mean, I would not, I, I will have to say that I would not have this level of success if it had not been for starting out with Without Fear of a Future and then uh, Women's Reign. Um, being in a room with like-minded women um, is, I, I think it's definitely an asset for me and has made it possible for me to establish a certain level of confidence to be able to establish a, a portfolio like this. Wow. So uh, if it were not for you and your program, I don't know that I would be, you know, where I am now because it allowed me to really expand my thinking when it comes down to thinking about real estate. Yes. Well, I appreciate you saying that. You are exactly the kind of woman that we love to have in the network. You just took the specialized knowledge and you ran with it. You overcome so many obstacles along the way and and have the best attitude. That's what I love is your spirit and how you're so helpful to all the and encouraging and inspiring yes. to all the other ladies. It's just really, really powerful. So Thank you. Well, I want to ask, um, what inspired you to venture into buy and holds? Because that's kind of been your thing. What was the inspiration behind that? Well, you know, I invest in, under, in, in an underserved community in Tuskegee, Alabama. It is a college town um, and they have a, a shortage of housing there. So um, so when once we went to Tuskegee, we realized that we wanted to a system in that area of providing quality housing, which means that we would need to buy property and hold on to them and, you know, renovating and, and hold on to them. So our, our, our initial interest was to build generational wealth, of course, but then also to assist with the housing uh, problem, quality housing problem they had in Tuskegee, along with hopefully providing quality housing for locals as well. So in order for us to do that, we needed to, you know, buy them and, and re rehab them and then decided to hold on to them. But I will say, because I was in an underserved community, I also had to jump into flipping because I had to create my own comps. Yeah. Um, being in an underserved area like it was, most of the properties that were sold there were sold as is. So there was nothing that was being renovated and then sold, which would add that back, bring that value back. So I had to, you know, we had to start doing some flipping. So we had since flipped three of our properties, three of the 15 we purchased, we flipped. Uh, the fourth one, we had planned to flip four, but I recently converted the fourth one over into an Airbnb. So now we have three Airbnbs there as well. Woo, woo. That's awesome. I love that idea of of creating your own comps. That's Absolutely. something we've had conversations about. And um, if, if our listeners didn't catch that, you might want to rewind that and listen to what <laughs> she just said again, because she's brilliant with that idea. Yeah. Um, Brenda, can you tell us what, what key factors, um, I know you talked a little bit about Tus Tuskegee and your decision there, but what key factors do you consider when deciding to pursue buy and hold investments? Well, I mean, first of all, I, I try to identify a property I can add value to. Um, of, of course, the location of the property is a key factor for me. Um, and, you know, the other thing about going into Tuskegee and deciding to do it there, the price point was um, great for me, you know, coming in, not having a lot of money at that time. I was able to, you know, find these properties at a good price. I could clearly see how I could add value to them by doing the rehab as well as providing quality housing as a, as a result of that. So I'm in, the, I'm in the midst of now considering purchasing another property in Tuskegee. And, you know, the very first thing I'm looking for is how can I add value to it? Mm -hmm. What's the current value? Because it's a small town, you can't do a traditional appraisal. You have to kind of keep fanning out like what Teresa taught us and <laughs> kind of keep fanning out until I find a comp um, that's been renovated yep. um, that I can kind of use to help establish that value. 
So that's that that's kind of what makes it a little bit trickier in Tuskegee is because trying to find that renovated property that's within it, you know, a certain area that's similar to Tuskegee that I can use as a comparison. And then that uh, once I get on the other side, once I establish that I can add the value and that this is an ideal property, then it's a matter of which strategy am I going to use? Am I going to do a traditional rental? Am I considering doing a short-term short-term rental? Um, maybe even getting into um, a long-term rental on this particular property. Tus Tuskegee does not have any hotels. Oh. Um, yeah. Okay. So I, I, I kind of try and take that in cons consideration as who's my target market? Yeah. Um, am I for students? Is it going to be for faculty members? Um, they recently started constructing a um, Hyundai um, warehouse or, or factory. I'm sorry. Factory. It's, under, it's under a different name, but it's Hyundai Parts. So they recently started constructing that. So now I, I'm introducing into the equation, trying to market to them in their upper management because yes. they're going to need a place to live. Yes. Right. Yes. Mm -hmm. Already you're brilliant. And yes. I love how you're just creating win-wins. It's a win for you, but you are just, you're really go deeper than most people do. You're looking at a city that, like you said, it's underserved and you're just saying, how can I make this area? How, how can we build it up, make it nice, Yes. but at this and, and provide something that is so needed and build wealth for yourself along the way. That's, Absolutely. that is what we're, that's what we do. And I love the way that you are doing it. Thank you. Thank you. I want to, I, I definitely want to pull other people in. I, I know I, you know, other people can do what I'm doing in this area and I'm, and I'm open to that. So I want to, in any way I can educate people, invite people to Tuskegee or identify as their own Tuskegee yes. in the area that they live in and, and do the same thing. It's, it's definitely, it's, it's definitely um, possible Absolutely. to identify these communities and add value if you know how to do it. And if you, you know, and if you don't, then you need to get to training. <laughs> well, I love it because I believe that just even from just listeners on this podcast that you're going to inspire, there's going to be some ladies all over the nation yes. that are like, oh my gosh, yes. I can do this. I live in that, an area that could, that needs the very thing that you're talking about. So I know that that's going to happen. So I just have to ask the question, how are you specifically finding these properties? Are you marketing to off-market properties? What are you, how are you finding these wonderful little deals? Well, I think the uniqueness about being in an underserved community, uh, you know, it's it's almost everywhere you look. I mean, it's word of mouth. Um, almost everything that's listed on the MLS is below market value, and I can use the golden formula uh, okay. in order to, you know, in order to purchase them. So. In this particular circumstances, I don't have to do a whole lot of marketing. Now, I have done, a, um, in the past, I have done a postcard campaign and I was able to get a house from that. But because there is such a need in, in you know, in, in Tuskegee as far as rehabbing houses and things of that nature, I don't have to tap into the marketing um, from that standpoint as far as sending out postcards or, or creating a list. Now, I do have that in the, in the back of my mind in yeah. case there are you know, if I need to make that shift because I understand in real estate, you have to be able to adapt and shift with whatever it is that, you know, you're dealing with. So mm -hmm. for right now, it's word of mouth. It's off of the MLS of Zillow in that particular area. Um, but, the, but the word of mouth part has also become very um, important at this point now that people know that I'm there. Yeah. I was there. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. By the time it. they... 
building. The time they realized I was there, we had 10 properties. <laughs> wow. wow. Well, you are really building a reputation for yourself and people are loving what you're doing and yes. they're going to say, Hey, you know, I know somebody that can help you with this property. Mm -hmm. That's, that's exactly. awesome. Brenda, exactly. I'm curious if you still are managing um, all of your properties yourself. And if you are, how are you balancing that with the demands of the other parts of your business? Because clearly you are doing so many things right now. Yeah, I, I'm currently doing it. I'm not sure for how much longer, but I'm <laughs> currently managing um, um, all of our rentals. I'm also GCing all of our rehabs. We currently have five rehabs going um, at, at this time. Okay. Um, it's I, I have an assistant. I did bring in an assistant about a year ago, so she helps me in in and um, she's in Alabama, so she kind of helps me on that end. I also use a, a um, program called Avail.co to help me with management. They I use that particular program to collect the rent, to send out applications, um, the leases and things of that nature. I also communicate a lot with my tenants. So I'm available to them. Um, if, if they need anything or something goes wrong, they text me or I reach out to them. And I find that because I stay in contact with them or, or I respond quickly, that I don't have as many issues. Yep. Right. Um, I, you know, because I, a lot of times when you when people hear that you rent to college students, the first thought is that they tear up your house. And that's not my that's not my um, that has been my story. I haven't had that problem. That's so good. Yeah, kids. that's fantastic. That's good. What yeah. would you say uh, are the most significant challenges uh, in self-managing your rentals to this point? And how do you navigate those? I've been fortunate. I really have. I haven't really had any major challenges. Good. Yeah. Um, I think the fact that I added my assistant so that if there's something that happens and is back to back, I don't now have to run to Tuskegee to take care of it. Yes. I, I, you know, I keep her in the loop and she steps in and handles those things. So up to this point, I've been very fortunate that, um, and I think it's because I, I, I have a hands-on approach. Mm -hmm. So I kind of stay in tune with what's going on in each house. I, I will say, I would say probably one of the biggest, um, I'm not going to call it a challenge, but <laughs> thing that I need to address is that my utility bills are kind of high because <laughs> <laughs> I include I pay the utilities it's included in the rent okay. and that's how I'm able to identify that okay that AC unit needs to be replaced because it's oh. can I, I want to can we talk about your rental strategy here for just a second because you do a little something different with students in the area can you just tell our listeners um, about your rentals, how you rent your properties to the students and what that looks like, because I know there's a lot of college towns that make great um, rentals, but it's not a short-term rental and it's not necessarily long-term. Can you share with our listeners what you do? Yeah. Well, first of all, I, I have to, I have to share with the listeners that I live in Georgia. I live two hours away and I invest in Alabama. Crazy. 15 um, properties, two hours away, yeah. and she's still handling self-managing. <laughs> you are you are superwoman. Yes, yes. So and so from the very beginning, when I get a property, I, I put a um, alarm system in it with a camera. So that's how I can kind of monitor what's going on at the property while I'm out of state, at least the outside. While I'm doing construction, I'll put a camera on the inside. But after that, it's on the outside. Uh -huh. Okay, so uh, the, the homes that I rent to college students, I rent them out by the bedroom. Um, so I do, if I got four houses, I have four leases. Um, I also use digital locks on all of the bedrooms um, within the house so that they can secure their own space. Um, and their rent includes the utilities and all the services such as lawn care, um, 
alarm system and Wi-Fi. And um, then, uh, you know, in addition to the utilities that's included, I also collect my rent quarterly. So they pay mm -hmm. every three months, they pay their rent up front. And I haven't had Love any it. issues with that at all. I, but I will say the challenge in that, if you're going to collect your rent up front, you have to be very disciplined and making sure that your funds stay where they're supposed to be. <laughs> okay. Yes. Right. You know, because things come up, things happen. You might have to do a repair mm -hmm. or whatever. You just have to be mindful of the fact that you're required to be a lot more disciplined when you collect your rent in advance. Now, my very first year, I had a tenant that was paying six months in advance. And that's when I realized I don't want to do six months. I'd rather do um, quarterly. That works better Yeah. Um, okay. for me. Now, if they want to pay uh, six months or a year in advance, I'm not going to turn it away. <laughs> but yeah, that is, yeah, that is brilliant. I love that. Love that. Well, shifting gears just a bit in an in, in investment deal, there's always risk, things that, you know, yeah. were not planned. So how do you identify when a real estate deal may not be as promising as you initially thought and may have to make that decision to walk away? Has that happened? Well, I, and yeah, you know, it's funny you asked me that because I had a, a transaction here recently, a, a rather large transaction that um, maybe two two days before closing, I, I, you know, I define it as kill the deal. I had to kill the deal. I, I had to, you know, decide like, okay, this is not going to be a good fit, not only for me, but for my, my investors. I was able to identify five PMLs that was going to assist in purchasing 29 parcels um, for, for uh, 550,000 is what the, what the deal was worth. Um, but for 29 parcels and 28 houses. So, you know, I was I was wrapped up in this deal for like four months, getting it ready and and trying to do my due do my due diligence, and that's a constant thing. It's not like you do it one day and then that's yes. it. <laughs> You're doing that right up to closing. So um, in this particular transaction, I was buying these properties from someone who had purchased them. Their their grandfather had purchased them in um, tax sales. Now I don't normally deal with tax sales. Um, but the transaction in and of itself sounded so interesting and would provide an opportunity, opportunity for me to truly add value to, because they were all in Tuske Tuskegee. So I explored, you know, doing the deal. Um, and one of the, the things that I ran into was how it was the need to quiet the title, mm -hmm. which is to clear the titles, another way of saying clearing mm -hmm. the titles. Um, so right up to um, a few days before we were told um, and it was my understanding that we could quiet the title after closing. The sellers who were also attorneys, real estate attorneys, advised us that we could do that. We, I, we'd spoken with other attorneys at the time that advised us that we could do that. Well, it was not up until two days before. I had, Like I said, I, I had Green Sisters that was going to fund the deal the whole nine that my attorney reached out to another attorney who was much more familiar with um, quieting the titles and, and um selling and purchasing properties from tax sales who said that that's the laws had changed just a couple of years ago mm. where you had no ownership for six years before they would quiet the title completely put the brakes yeah. <laughs> on, yeah, on sure. our deal so i went back to the sellers that look can you quiet the titles mm -hmm. before you sell to us because they've owned it longer than six years yeah right. um you need to quiet the title prior to sale 
in order for this deal to work for us. And we were willing to pay for them to quiet the title. Yeah. And for whatever reason, they didn't do it. They didn't want to do it. I don't know if it's too time consuming. I'm not quite sure. It didn't really make sense to me uh-huh. because in the in the background was a, a, a second deal where once we closed the first deal of 29 parcels, we were going to turn around and buy 30 more. So <laughs> now yeah. you're talking about a transaction that could potentially be almost 30 parcels. Uh, yeah, right. parcels. And they, uh-huh. for whatever reason, did not want to take that additional step of due diligence hmm. of clearing the titles for us so that we could do what we needed to do after purchasing the property. So I killed the deal. Well, yeah. good for you. And that's hard to do. Yeah. Isn't it heartbreaking yeah. when you've worked that hard that's on a deal and there's, and yeah. you can see more deals coming on the backside, but congrats because so many people will just, you know, they'll just yeah. go, Oh, well, it'll be all right. And it can be a horrible situation. So you probably heard me say this a million times. Walking away from a bad deal makes you a brilliant investor as well as when you get the good deal, knowing a bad yeah, I mean, deal and walking away from it. I, I totally agree, you know, because I had to not only ev- evaluate this deal from the standpoint of was it good for me, but I also had to evaluate it from the standpoint of my PMLs, my investors. Yeah. And it just was not a win-win. I mean, they were disappointed. I was yeah. disappointed. I did put a lot of time into it. So mm-hmm. I did go through a very brief period of mourning. Of but then I realized, yeah. what did I learn from that? That I, what did God want me to see from that? Yeah. That I am capable mm-hmm. of putting a deal together of that size yeah. and being careful and closing it down the road. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Do you think there's a chance that they would come back and, and, and it might still happen or you think not? I'm really not sure because, you know, you got two different, in that particular transaction, there were two different generations that was part of the deal. I was negotiating with the grandson. And his mother and aunt were the ones that was making, ultimately making the decision because it was their father who owned, they owned something like 1300 parcels in, in um, Alabama. Wow. And he passed away last February. So they was selling off his whole portfolio. So the grandson was, was, was fine with it, but this wasn't until he went back to his mother and, and aunt where they were like, we don't want to do it or it takes too much time. It, it just didn't make sense. Something yeah. about this transaction did not sound like I was dealing with people who were um, thinking about it from the same point that I was thinking about it, which yeah, was from the standpoint right. of it being a, a good business deal. Yes. Yes. It, it right. would have made good business sense. So am I open if they come back and they take care of quieting the title? Absolutely. I'm not yeah. going to burn a bridge. Just absolutely. There you time. go. There you go. <laughs> She's a smart businesswoman. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's what I told him. I said, if anything changes, please reach back out to us because that yeah. would have basically it would have been a million dollars for them to move um, 60 wow. parcels. They probably didn't pay more than a thousand or 2004. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah. Hopefully wow. they'll be back. So yeah, Brenda, and, and if not, the right deal will come along at the right time. Yes, I am. Yeah, absolutely. It will provide that opportunity for us to, to add that kind of value to Tuskegee. I think that was the yeah. biggest um, disappointment for me is that I saw an opportunity to truly add value. You're not kidding. Um, yeah. With those properties and to bring on some other sisters who had never even heard of Tuskegee. Yeah. To be a part of, to be a right. part of it. So that was the, that was for me was what I was excited about. I got other Rain sisters that, we, you know, we're going into this community as a Rain sisterhood and, and adding all this value and uh-huh. being able to share the story. 
Um, so it, it, in due time, in due time. That's right. Very That's true. right. Yes, yes. Um, Brenda, what advice would you give to someone who is looking to invest in a market that they're not really familiar with? Um, and how, how can they um, understand the local needs more effectively? Well, I think you have to build a strong team. You got to identify, you know, build a relationship with people who are familiar, who, yeah. who may be familiar with that market, whether it's a local realtor, a local appraiser, you know, get in contact with what if, if it's like for me, I'm in a in a, in a particular town. So I, I, I have contact with the, the mayor, with the council members. I'm, I'm part of the Chamber of Commerce. You have to if, if you're going to do what I'm trying to do, you have to become a part of the community. Yeah, you can't just come in as an investor and then because you don't want to feel like an outsider. Yes. I agree. Um, so, yeah. So I would say build your team. Start talking to people. You 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 have to talk to everybody you see. If you're going into a an area, you're looking at a house, and I would say this to, to anybody: if you're going into an area, you're looking at a house, you see a neighbor outside, you see somebody walking down the street, you see the mailman, you talk to all of them. Yes, <laughs> I agree. And that's how you just you continue know? to get these deals that you're not even having to spend marketing money on, just yeah. because of what that's you right. just said. That's that people know you, like you, and love what you're doing, and they're going to send yeah. deals your way. That's that's awesome. I, absolutely, absolutely. Because you know, because I, I hear some of the sisters sometimes saying, you know, that that, uh, and it comes from a place of fear. I understand that, but I, I hear some people struggling with that at times. I'm like, if this is an area you're interested in, even if you find one house, and let's say you don't get that house, but you like the area, then you want to go into that area mm -hmm. and talk to any and everybody you see. Because you, you'll be surprised who knows someone else mm -hmm. that has a need that you can fulfill. Yes. So they might say, well, no, I, I don't have that need, but my aunt does. That's right. Or the neighbor over here is going through a divorce or this person over here just lost a family member and they got to sell the property, whatever that is. Yeah. The only way you're going to get to that kind of information is by talking to people. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and just good. not giving up too easily. That's the whole yeah, thing right. is is just not taking a no and going, oh, well, it didn't work. I tried. You just be consistent and persistent. Yeah. Just keep showing up and keep showing up and, and that door will open. I, I totally right. agree, Teresa, because, you know, the thing is um, for me, I find it a lot easier for me. And I and I share this with other investors. Find a pocket. Familiarize yourself with that area yeah. and focus on that area. I hear so many people like I'm I'm looking in five different states. Okay, that's great. <laughs> but you if you find a pocket, familiarize yourself with yep. that particular yeah. area, then you're gonna know how to address those issues and you're gonna be a lot closer to being able to determine, you know, can I really add value? Is this really a deal? Is this an area that has, you know, up and coming things happening? Yep. So, you know, it just really depends on if you're trying to do one or two deals or if you're trying to build a serious portfolio. That's right. Yeah. Woo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love, it. So Love it. Um, Brenda, looking back at your real estate investment journey, what yes. would you say is the most important lesson that you've learned that has contributed to your success? Oh, I, <laughs> there's not just no, one, I mean, is there? <laughs> no, I, I say this all the time because I get a lot of people to call me and ask me about uh, Reen or about the masterclass. And I tell them all the time that the biggest asset is being in the room with like-minded people <laughs> yeah. who have money to lend is <laughs> yeah. one of the most valuable lessons that I've learned from real estate. I, I have to say that prior to going through the without fear of a future, I had gone through 
um, uh, a real estate class many years ago. I mean, I'm, I'm sure everybody's familiar with it. I think it was called Somebody Sheets. Yeah. You know, real yeah. Yes. I had gone through that years ago and it just did not click for me. I still was not able to do then what I was able to do now. And I think the difference is what, what Reen brought to the table was being in a space with like-minded women <laughs> and and who had money to lend. Yes. Because that is, is the biggest obstacle. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The you network, know, the network of people that we surround ourselves yeah. with is so powerful. Definitely. So really powerful. Is. It is very, very valuable. And because yeah. when you're in a in a room such as that, because I, I think of it as a room, uh, our Facebook page, our private Facebook page mm -hmm. is a room. Yep. You have to treat it as valuable as it is. So you you have to approach it from that standpoint. These are business women yes, that you're in right. contact with, you know, and and it, so in, in real estate investing, it's a risky business. Yes. It's not a matter of whether or not you're going to lose money. It's a matter of how much money you're going to lose. There you go. Yep. 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 <laughs> Controlling that loss <laughs> is, is your goal. Yep. And yeah. So if you. So early on, you you know, when you first start start out, that that tends to be the time you make some of the biggest mistakes, or or you make some decisions that we, when you look back on, it's like ah, I, I probably should have did, did that a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you might lose ten thousand in the, in the beginning on a transaction, just so that on the back end or further down the road, that lesson, that ten thousand dollar lesson you got mm -hmm. from that transaction, will be a benefit for you when you run across a deal when you make an, an extra hundred thousand. That's right. Yes, ma'am. So that's what makes it worthwhile. So understanding that real estate investing is a risky business. Yes, but you just got to make sure you have the tools right. in order to, you know, that helps you to kind of navigate when you run into something unexpected and that you you own your business. So you have to yeah. own your decisions. That's <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yeah, That's good. That's so good. All right, Brenda, we always like to ask our guests three takeaways. So what three things would you advise an investor or entrepreneur who is looking to be brave and grow or is just perhaps feeling stuck where they are? Ooh, feeling stuck. Well, I think the feeling stuck ties back to the first part. A lot of times the stuck is connected to whatever that fear is mm -hmm. that kind of creeps into real estate investing. So I say face your fears and, and talk it out. Whatever it is that you think that is is going to be a problem or I don't have the money or I don't have the support or whatever talk that thing out what's the worst case scenario because once you talk through that whatever that is you'll realize oh it's, it's not that bad that's right <laughs> that's <laughs> exactly right there's a solution yeah. there's a solution absolutely and you know if you have access to people who have money then therefore you have money there you go yeah. <laughs> okay. And that same thing applies to um, knowledge and experience. If you have access to someone who has experience doing the flip or doing the buy and hold or whatever, therefore you have the experience. Mm -hmm. So you have to know to bridge that gap. And you need to also take on the confidence of that person that you have in your circle who is there to assist you to get to the next level. So you are not alone unless you, unless you view yourself. As yes. So it's team building. Yes. So good. It's so important. It's about team building. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, hey, Brenda, can you tell our listeners where they can connect with you online if they'd like to? Sure. On Instagram is brenda.a.stroud, S-T-R-O-U-D. It's the same on LinkedIn. It's actually brenda-a-stroud. And on Facebook, same, Brenda A. Stroud. 
Um, you can you can find me on all three platforms. And my email address is hello at brendastroud.com. I love it. Yep. yep. Okay, Teresa, I want to hear your takeaways from today. Oh she my just gosh. gave us so much. She did. She did. I hope our listeners like took the notes because, but the, every time that I have the, just the honor of talking to Brenda, the thing that always sticks out for me is that she just has this tenacity. She's not going to give up. She's going to find a way. She's never a victim. She's never a whiner. Yeah. She is, she just figures it out and, and is willing to take the risk and get up and do it again. And that is what it takes to be successful. And that's exactly what she has shown. And I just look forward to watching Brenda over the next few years and how she is uh, changing an entire city and what she's doing and so proud and so excited for you and can't wait to keep watching what you do. Yes. Yes. So good. So good. Well, Brenda, we love to challenge our listeners at the end of each episode. So what would you challenge them to do to move forward powerfully in their life or their business this week? Oh, wow. This week. Okay. (laughs) Um, Face your fears. Yeah. You know, and jump in. Just get out there and jump in. You know, um, I I will say this, you know, I I was a teenage mother. I was the first in in my family to buy property. I was the first in my family to graduate from college. Woo! And I'm the first in my family to build this level of a portfolio that's over that's worth over three million dollars. Wow. I say face your fears. Yeah. And I start with zero money. <laughs> yeah. I just ask, I asked for the help and I got it. So don't be fearful in pursuing whatever your dreams are. Just just jump out there and just do it. Yeah. She Allow wants to talk. To yeah, she does. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. All right. Well, if you are not subscribed to the Without Fear of Her Future podcast, then hit that subscribe button today for new episode reminders. And please leave us a honest review on our podcast page. Thank you for joining us today. On behalf of the Women's Real Estate Investors Network and Teresa Todd, I'm Melissa Baker, encouraging you to be brave and dream big.